Good day and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I am Stacy Fleece and here with co-host Samantha Tradelia. Samantha, how are hey, you? Hey girl, dude, I got my red yes. lip on. It's a power. Yes, you do. I, I think today's a power Wednesday, if I'm not. I've not been able to figure out what day it is all day. So It's fine. It's I, fine. We're here. I'll probably, I'll probably put my garbage out like three days early. I don't know. I can't. I can't figure it out right now. It's it's too complicated. Um, but, you know, we love to focus on amazing women doing really cool shit on this show. And uh, there's nothing I love more, actually, than a hugely successful female-founded company. So today, I'm super excited because we have Christine Mason with us, who is the female founder of Rosebud Woman, who creates intimate self and body care for women. And I, there's nobody listening to this with a vagina who doesn't need that. So pause for 30 minutes and hear what we have to say. Christine, how are you? I'm doing great. You guys are so fun. I, uh, I used to call when we first started, I was trying to explain to people what it was because this category wasn't a category. And we used to say it was pussyceuticals and then they got it immediately. <laughs> so I, I like that. We're, we're, I'm, we're going to use that tonight today because yeah. that's, <laughs> that's a good name. Um, you know, we, we, you have a really, uh, amazing, uh, educational history, work history. And one of my favorite things that we talk about on the show is just the meandering journey that women have in their career paths and their lives. And, and it's very rare that you find that linear, journey that anybody's taken right and honestly I nothing says pussyceuticals more than someone who founded six software and tech companies like I don't I don't know I'm unclear that that's the connect there's more to that story in between because those two things don't connect in my brain so let's how do we go from tech to Rosebud Woman, which a hugely successful, sold in like all the high-end stores. I want to talk about that too. But let's talk about how you got there. Yeah, I, I mean, I started, I think it's really important to know that I had my first baby at 18. And that basically I started out with, um, you know, in, in business school, getting an MBA with three children under the age of three. Wow. And so my whole career was like, okay, overachiever. by this, like, how do I be a woman in the world and be a good parent um, and express my intellectual gifts and my competences and all of those things. And, and that actually the reason I started my first company was, which was not a software company, it was a staffing firm for other women MBAs who wanted to use their talents and also be able to, you know, show up for their littles when they needed to. Um, it was, it was my first entrepreneurship endeavor was because the world wasn't structured for me to be capable, competent, and to do the things that I valued in the right way. And so I, I had to leave because you either have to be the boss, um, you know, as a woman entrepreneur, you either have to be the boss or you get stuck in middle management under somebody's thumb. That's how I felt really young. And, um, and so I was working for this, uh, this larger organization of billion dollar consumer products company and right when the internet hit. And so the stuff that I was doing with tech was all related to 
relationships, uh, automating relationships with suppliers and vendors and stuff like that. And I just sort of fell into it. I wasn't a technologist, but I was about how do you eliminate busy work? And, you know, I had these kids, I had all these children to support um, and I was on my own. And so uh, the, the career moves seemed very logical and progressive, but at the same time, like maybe in my early thirties, I started really tuning into this, like I'm living like a man, I'm running my career like a man, and I'm in this very sort of structured dominance culture, and I have this longing for the feminine. So somewhere in my early 30s, I started practicing yoga, doing dance, getting into plant medicine, getting into yoga and tantra, um, and, you know, really understanding how much I had been like programmed, I guess, in a way that wasn't super healthy. And then when I finally my youngest child left for college, fasting forward, fast forwarding. And at, and I was kind of hitting perimenopause. And I was like, what is going on? I'm like this sensual, athletic, you know, open person and I'm having challenges. And the only thing that I could find in the uh, drugstore, you know, were goopy, chemi things that I didn't want. And so around that time, I started playing with that idea that was 2014. And I don't know, other things were going on during that time. I sold a company. I went around the world with my new boyfriend. I was doing a lot of other things. So it took me a while to kind of kick it off, but it felt like a merger of being very focused on doing all these loving, beautiful things in the body, knowing how to run a company and, and, and the plant medicine stuff that really kind of came together. And I wanted to make beautiful things. And, and that was how it was born. I mean, that was a, a that's the best story to give you. I'm sorry. It's uh, really a great story though, to have this journey of like taking all this knowledge that you're picking up in these other facets of your, of your world. And then your passion of what is, you know, making your fire inside go and, and turning it into a product that's now on the shelves of many major, major retailers, which, you know, is super great. Um, and I love the fact that it's, it's still kind of like this taboo thing, like this whole like badge moment, like we women, we know about it, like we get it, but it's still not something women are out there talking about or, or maybe like, you know, putting in their purse and whipping it out and saying, hey, ladies, like you're going to try this, you know, and that's why- actually our biggest, the bit way we get most of our customers. It's like, come on, whipping yeah. it out of the purse, whipping it out of the they purse, whip it out of their purse. And they're like, this is what you need. I have little sample sizes. No, people tell each other. That's how we get most of our customers. But you hit on that shame thing. And I, you know, I went like sexual shame and body shame were probably the most, the biggest pain points in my own life. And I feel like that's part of it. You know, I sometimes think of the products as a delivery vehicle for this message of no shame and loving your body your whole life long. And it, whether that's around aging or the way you function sexually or the, the shape or size of your ass or whatever it happens to be, it's like, forget that, you know, love this embodiment and celebrate it. And that was, that's, that's a big part of it. So when I was doing the packaging, I really wanted to create something that would look like birado quality, beautiful, really beautiful resonant glass thing that you could leave on your night table and just like use it and massage it on yourself every day and never have to hide it. And it would just become normalized. Like I even designed those jars so they look like your grandmother's perfume jars. Like remember those cold cream jars that they would put on the silver tray with the little like pewter lid and the pewter brushes and all that stuff. Like it was meant to be something that you could leave out. 
And by normalizing the, the actual object, then I felt like you could also, um, people would be able to, you know, take it out and would help you normalize the thought of touching yourself or whatever. But it's like so interesting because you see like the manscape, you know, like, and it's the whole man ball products and they're like, oh, that's so, you know, and guys aren't even thinking twice about having their ball cream hanging out on their counter, you know, but like as a woman, you're like, well, I don't know that I'd want to have, you know, this out because it may be uncomfortable. And it's like, I, I so you wish have what you have this just, it's like the gold instead of the blacked out triangle. Like they get the golden triangle. This is like such a power center. Take it out. Yeah. When did, when did the Manscaper 2.0 become cool? And <laughs> like any kind of vagina cream, nobody even wants to talk about. Nobody's talking. Maybe they're about whipping it. it out of their purse in an alley or something. Like after midnight. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like I. I. I don't know. I started with that, then I added, you know, body oils and I have this arousal cream that's or arousal Ooh. serum that's really beautiful. But anyway, all, all that being said, the manscaping product, one of my boys works for the company. He's a, he's a CFO and uh, he wants to make a men's version with the same herbs and stuff, but make it smell different and call it wood polish. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually love that. That could be a nice little like set like a package holiday set you know where like you go into Saks and you get the you get the holiday gift sets that'd be a good one so here's something I, I I really want to talk about because I know how hard it is to like get a product into a storefront and especially like a high-end store or any store for that matter but then you're bringing in a product that's like not necessarily mainstream or somewhat taboo like was that journey super difficult because or were people really receptive and like open to like okay, like this is not out here. This can fill a market need. Like how was your response? Like our how first, was it received? Our, you know, basically I, I'm making the argument that body, that intimate care is part of body care. And that by segmenting this off, you're, big, build, you're, you're missing a big opportunity. And that, you know, I, I came in with data. Um, I interviewed or had a research firm interview 3000 women before I launched the products to make sure that the needs that I was seeing were universal, that they weren't just like anecdotal from me and my friends. And I thought, you know, my numbers were a guess. And the, the need was like 70% of women of all ages had one of these needs at some point or the other in every given month, whether it was clen like refreshing or irritation or moisture or arousal issues or whatever. So when we made those first four products, they were all articulated and directed at specific needs. We weren't creating a need. Uh, we weren't trying to tell people that there was something broken in them, that we, you know, it was definitely something that was out in the field that we were responding to. And so the first thing was to say it's body care. The second thing is to say 70% of women need it. The third thing is to say that um, we're going to present it in a way that you won't, that you'll be on the sort of leading edge of what's arising in the culture, but you won't be offending anyone. And indie beauty you know, we were really super clean, organic, plant-based. So Indie Beauty picked it up first. And then we did D2C um, through Facebook ads and social media and stuff like that. Our first retailers, the first time we talked to, let's say a big retailer headquartered in Texas, that's very fancy. The first time we talked to those people, um, I had 17 female buyers come through our booth, loving the product, loving the presentation, and they had to run it by their male VP. And he said, no. Yeah. And we went to them every hey, couple on. of months for two years. 
until that role was taken over by a woman. And then we got in the store. Now, I have that to tell right that it now. has to, that, but that sucks that that change had to happen before this product that this focus group all said, yeah, we need that. And, and like, we got cock blocked, literally. We got cock blocked in, in general retail. I will say, I will say, however, in D2C, it was the algorithm because we fought for the first year was the algorithm from Facebook at the time basically can't distinguish between women's health and porn. And so, you know, we what, would what? We couldn't we put an ad up and they we put an ad up and they could not tell the difference. Um, you know, words like vulva, women, most women didn't know the difference between their vagina and their vulva. You know, it was it's really an, I mean, there's there were so many things around education and around uh, trying to communicate about women's health. There were things about communicating around perimenopause and menopause, around conditions in pre and postnatal. Like 25% of women who are young have moisture issues because they're on statins or antidepressants or all kinds of medications cause issues. You know, so there was so much education to be done. And finally, we got whitelisted um, for our advertising um, as part of a group of sexual wellness and intimate wellness companies that were focused more on health. So we solved one problem, you know, so it's a gradual change. And then we got a little bit of the boost from Me Too, mm -hmm. you know, because when we came out at 2018, that was just all kind of like hitting. And there was a lot of energy around like, my body is not for your use. My body is for me. I have to live with it every day for 80 years. So, you know, if I have sex a couple of times a week or whatever, that's great. But I still have periods and cycles and episiotomies and you know all the things all the things that happen all and the things and there's a lot of things there's a lot of things that are going on down there ladies and gentlemen the badge <laughs> is a magical place okay there's a lot <laughs> happening and it so needs really, to really want education i want people to be educated about all their the, you know name all their parts i put this little book out when we first started that was kind of a manifesto for the brand which has beautiful illustrations and talks straight talk about you know how to care for yourself so I wanted education I wanted the message of no shame I wanted beauty really great ingredients and the combination was good but yeah you know even in May of this year or in March of this year there was another algorithm change where you could no longer target women's health and so I would just say it's really it's really push pull so we rely a lot on word of mouth and on customers telling their friends and coming back. I, I have a lot of women on subscription now, and that really helps. I find it fascinating, first of all, that um, there's a Facebook algorithm that has the word vulva attached to <laughs> porn. I haven't seen a lot of porn in my day, but I don't recall that word ever being in those fancy, well-written <laughs> scripts. Honey, in porn. Your, I want to see your vulva. Yeah, I mean, it's just... No one's talking you know. about your vulva. <laughs> no, they're, they're not. Um, I want to know though, what is your, what is your best-selling product? Like you, you, you have some good stuff in the line, but yeah, I want to know like what product is honor balm. It's the, it's the flagship everyday product and it's got, what, and what do we use that for? It's a daily moisturizer. You could use it for, um, basically keeping the tissues more supple and fresh and they have, it has the which regenerates the skin layer. 
uh, keeps it thick and, and uh, retains its resiliency. And that's general moisture every single day. You can use it for sex. You can use it for masturbation, but basically it's a moisturizer. And then the next- It's a, it's a vagina moisturizer? The vagina cream. And Not like my elbow, but I probably could I use say it there, right? It's that, but it's also like people use it everywhere. They use it on their okay. eyes. They use it on their lips. It's really like a super dense quality balm. Well, it's got to be a very, very some of the other safe. things that are in it are really fantastic ingredients for the skin in general. It's got to be super clean and safe if we're using it on those areas that yeah. are, I mean, it's not like we can bust out the userin and throw it down. Well, you know, that tissue is 10 <gasps> times more absorbent than any other tissue in the body. So Which is great. Really you stuff. would never think to like, I put lotion on my legs. I would never think like the vag needs a little lotion. Well, like I would never little, think about that. a little young. <laughs> I don't mean to, I mean, you look, you look pretty young. Thank you. Uh, 40, so, 41. Mm-hmm. 41. Yeah. All right. Talk to me in 10 years. <laughs> um, no, I feel, yeah, I like it. Even when I don't have a particular like sexual arousal moisture need, it just feels really good. And if you have, um, if you're, pre- if you're going to have a baby, I want you to use it every day for six weeks before and do perineal massage, which reduces episiotomies and tearing by two thirds if you do daily perineal massage. So there's oh, things really? like that that midwives will teach you about. And then after, you know, to heal the heal that area, that's another good reason to use it because it's got some scar healing ingredients. So that's my number one thing. Um, and then I made an arousal serum, which... I got, I just kind of like back up because I, I I love plants so much. Don't back up too far. We want to hear about this. (laughs) So much. And there's this one plant in Polynesia in in Hawaii called Spilanthes. And there's a, you can sometimes have a cocktail made out of Spilanthes, like a buzz cocktail, but that's only recent. And it's a little tiny flower. And when you, when you bite the head of the flower, your entire mouth fills with saliva and swells up and tingles and gets like a little bit numb. And in Polynesian traditional medicine, they use it for oral hygiene for sexual arousal in women because the saliva like, you know, cleans out the gums and all of that stuff. And the tingling plumps up the tissues and that's what's going on in the vulva. So if you put a couple of drops on there, it brings all this blood flow in and you self lubricate. So you only need like a few drops and it creates this really cool sensation. It's like kind of like a lip plumper on your lips. Oh, and for a huh. lot of women who've lost kind of contact with the sensation in their vulva, they love that. It, it's that was one of the major things we found in the survey is that a lot of women have no sensation. They can't feel themselves. And so it both brings natural lubrication, it brings blood flow, it brings heat, it brings a tingly sensation and you're like aware of it, which is a, a positive. And so that's our second bestseller. I love it. So when you're doing these products, like how long has, did it take? I always love the develop the, the R and D phase of a product. So how long did it take you to like perfect this magic? Four years. In a bottle? Four years. Yeah. For those first four products. I, I got it pretty far. You guys, I did a lot of apothecary research. I talked to the people like Chinese medicine people, Ayurvedic people, South American shamans white witches, like the North American herbal traditions. I talked to medical doctors. Um, and then I made things, you know, I was running my company, my other company and 
still had kids at home and even though they were older kids. And so, you know, you come back and I, my, my son came in and there's a quart jars of things that looked like yogurt, but it's, <laughs> you know, lotion in the refrigerator. Oh. And, um, and I would like dish them out and give them to friends. So I thought I got pretty close. And then I, I had done a consulting project for Estee Lauder and um, it was so fortuitous. You know how when things that want to happen, they, they just happen smoothly. Like everything just sort of appears when, when it's, you're on the right trajectory. So I do this consulting project for Estee Lauder and I meet a woman um, there who's a new product development person. And literally I make the decision to start this company and I'm finally going to go for it. I do the survey. I take the data and I say, all right, I'm going to dump my, my retirement savings and I'm going to do it. The first person I meet is at a dinner at my daughter's house. And she says, um, I'm talking about wanting to find the best luxury packaging person in America. And she goes, um, I just did Fenty, Rihanna's line. I can do it for you. And Damn. so my packaging person was like, boom. The next day I get a call from this woman from Estee Lauder who says, I am pregnant. I'm leaving Estee and I'm looking for freelance work on new product development. If you know anybody who's looking. And I was like, huh, hmm, me. So anyway, it went like that. And she took me to uh, a great chemist in Los Angeles and an organic chemist. I brought him my formulas and he said, these look like cookie recipes. <laughs> and all right, Martha Stewart. It's like, okay, a quarter cup of this and, and emulsify it. Anyway, so um, we worked together to bring them into a really shelf-stable and reliably sourced formula. And, and that's what we went to market with. And then they got the, the production partner is the oldest organic USDA facility in America. They've been around. They were doing vegetable-based permanent waves in 50 years ago. And now they have a, 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 they grow some of their own ingredients, a super, super quality place in LA. So that was, it all worked, it all really went off without a hitch in terms of the production and the formulas. And then of course, getting like doctors to like it, you know, yeah. the, you know, you've got this whole piece of like, I've got to take it to OBGYNs and get it like patch tested and gynecologically tested and all this other stuff. So you know, thinking back on it, if I'd have known how much work that was going to be, there's a, there's like a, a little bit of grace and stupidity. Do you know what I mean? And being yes. 100%. otherwise you wouldn't do anything. Yes. So what would you do differently now looking at what you built? Like where, where do you, what do you think you would have tweaked a bit? Um, wow. That's a really good question. Um, one of the things I did early was hire a fulfillment house like a distribution house because I didn't want to deal with mailing things I would never do that again mm -hmm. um, because keeping track of the packages and being able to put little notes in them and staying in relationship with the customer and and you know that cost that they made so many errors they, they almost 90 percent of the difficulties or the complaints we had were around shipping and problems like that you really have to have people in the early stage of a company who care about the customer experience as much as you do. So that would be one thing I would do differently. Um, I don't know. I, I think then that in the times when I wanted to give up, like I wanted someone to come in and save me. Like I had this thing, like I'm not cool enough to do, make my own ads or talk on, talk on the, 
talk on the TikTok, you know, <laughs> like I'm not that person, you know? And so I would think, oh, I'll just get this great agency and these cool kids, they'll be able to do it right. And you know what? It just never was right. And, and so I think it's I not authentic in the way that it would be. It's not authentic in the way that it would be when it's you, you know, if this is your, your baby, your love, your heart and soul, uh, you're always going to be able to speak to it better yes. than anybody else. Casey, that's the thing, the confidence to believe in the authentic message. I did not have it. I was nervous. Now I feel clear about it, but you know, I was like, I really wanted somebody cooler and better to take that role. And, and so I would say founder representation and staying closer to the customer would have been things that I would have changed, but you're totally right. It's about the, it's about authenticity. But I think what is your, um, what's your, where, what are your, what's your competition in this? Like, is there competition in this? There has to be, but there was nobody when we started, but there's a ton now. Yeah. It's grown a lot, huh? People are, it's people are accepting that this is something we should have. The VAD is here to stay, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. (laughs) They're hearing us out there. Yeah. They're hearing it. I, I think the, the menopause had its moment last year. And, and um, arousal serums are sort of had it last year. I think period care is going to be the next big one. It's really seeing, you know, why are you sticking chemicals um, into the most absorbent part of your body? Those kinds of things, that's all changing. You won't see any more bleached out, chemically infused tampons or anything like that. That's all going away. Kid, the, the, and the younger women, the younger girls get it. They, they know what they're doing. Um, but like Target sponsored a a few target executives left they developed their own brand and then they sold it back to target you know things like that brilliant we're starting to see like target's got it there's a line that's forget i I forget what the name of it is i should not it doesn't matter because we're only talking about rosebud woman we're not here (laughs) we're not here to talk about target's intimate care products but you you, there's like the real intersection there's a few like conscious um pleasure product companies. There's the CBD oriented companies where they've uh, infused it with THC or CBD. Those guys are great. And they can't, then they have the double whammy of sexual products plus CBD hemp THC, which is so hard to market, even though it's legal in many places. So there's people coming in from that medicinal angle. And then there's people who are coming in from, you know, the hygiene angle. But I think this sort of beauty product, skincare product one, we're still pretty solidly the only ones there. So here's what I love about you. I love about you that you're a real woman that has real vulnerability and real, you know, you've had a real journey. And I feel like you, you're comfortable sharing that journey with us, obviously, but also just women in general. And I think so many women don't necessarily share that part of them or that, you know, no matter where your products are being sold. You, you could be a Neiman Marcus, you could be a Target, you could be all these, but at the end of the day, like you're a founder of a brand and have had vulnerabilities and had to earn tiger stripes and learn, get take your lickings and learn the hard way, which I think is so inspirational. Just like as a woman who's, you know, in business myself, I find that very inspiring. And I think it's very, very cool. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. I, I mean, you know what? If you're going to be in business, I, I think we all have these creative seeds. It's like in our DNA, you see something and you want to make it manifest. That could be a painting or a piece of music or a child or whatever, um, or a business. And the idea that you can take something 
from a concept to full material reality and it not be a struggle is somebody is just, you know, pulling the wool over your eyes. Everything beautiful is effort on some level, I think. So 100%. yeah, and I, yeah. hundred percent. And I think we had a, a listener tell us or, or a speaker one day that it, being a business is like just a constant, like falling and getting up and falling and getting up and dusting your knees off and shaking off. And, and, and I mean, that's part of the journey, although it's like, as you're going through it, you're like, fuck, this is so hard. But when you get on the other side of it, or you have the success of the moment or whatever the task is, you're like, yeah, like I can do that. And that's very cool. And I think you, Christine, your products, what you're doing, what you're doing for women and our vaginas is something that needs to be talked about. I mean, we're going to be talking about it for weeks Thank to you. come. Very well. I, I was shopping speak. on the site today. I'll be honest. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. So we have just. Hell yeah, I was. We have one so quick minute. Just on, that, on that one point, my friend, Dream Mullick, who used to run a jewelry company, she said at one point, somebody was freaking out about production or something. And she just says, hello, there are no jewelry emergencies. There's nothing <laughs> in jewelry that is life or death. Chill the fuck out. So, um. That's also, I think, a really important part of being uh, a serial founder and also sort of of a certain age and having gone through so much in, in our lives is like, you really have to be equanimous. There is really nothing to get upset about. I get a little tweaked once in a while when somebody copies our stuff, but that's just ego. And for the most part, there's nothing to get upset about. Just enjoy it. Enjoy your life. Enjoy what you're doing and, and, and keep like navigating, being curious. It just seems to all work out. You're amazing. And that is the perfect note to leave on. Thank you for your time today, Christine. We will be uh, posting some links to your website so our listeners out there can get their hands on some of your products. Thank you for sharing you. Thank you for sharing your journey. And thank you for sharing Rosebud with the world. Everybody get out there this week and be inspired.